Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teenage Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew, and I'm here with Brendan and Joseph. We are in studio today. So what's going on, brothers? Fantastic. I am excited to be live here with you. Yes. I'm also excited that you're live here with me. It sucked to be dead here with you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm alive. It's too early. Yeah, he only thinks he's alive. All right, so today we'll be talking about Defense of the Faith, which was the fourth and final pillar of this podcast. We'll discuss what defense of the faith is, how to go about defending the faith, and how to defend the Catholic Church as a teenager, how to prepare yourself for defending the church, and lots of other things about defense, logic, and just general argumentative kind of things. So let's start this episode the way we love to start all of our episodes with the very obvious question, what is defense of the faith? So defense of the faith is protecting, standing up for, and proclaiming the truths and teachings of the Catholic Church and arguing for the truth. So... This is where I have to put the disclaimer that arguing is not necessarily a bad thing because it literally means to attempt to prove by reasoning. So arguing the way we will use it in most cases for this episode will just mean uh, using your facts, logic, everything that you hold true to your def- to your position and using that to explain to somebody else and trying to convince them about why you are right. So, again, defense of the faith is protecting, standing up for, and proclaiming the truths and teachings of the Catholic Church and arguing for the truth. So, for example, the pro-life movement is a perfect example of what defense of the faith is because the Church teaches that there is a sacredness in regards to human beings and that every human conceived has the God-given right to live on the earth. So, they defend the faith by standing up for the babies inside of the wombs that don't have voices for themselves. And they stand up for the faith and they, you know, tell everybody what the church teaches on abortion, about pregnancy, about uh, sexual ethics, and lots of other stuff like that. And that is a great point because nowadays there's not as much uh, physical defending of the faith as there might have been, say, during the Crusades. Yeah, Crusades, yeah. yeah. Although some of us, uh, Knights of Columbus, might have swords. We're not supposed yeah. to just go out and slay the heretics. Although one day, maybe we'll get the chance. <laughs> telling me this now. But uh, and there are times in our life that we will be called to defend the faith from people who do seek to harm the church just in a different way than historically. Yeah. Uh, most defense of the faith that happens these days, again, as Joseph said, isn't physical. Um, a very recent example of that kind of thing, you look at Mark Houck. Yeah. Um, the guy was just kind of sitting outside of a pregnancy center. Um, excuse me, he was sitting outside of a uh, an abortion mill. And he was sitting there praying with his son. And uh, the the guy who is the escort for the abortion clinic came up and started, like, badgering Mark and his son. And, and Mark wasn't doing anything but sitting there and praying. And um, physical altercation happened, and Mark ended up uh, in some big trouble by the government uh, and went up and fought the government. And it's now... Uh, a uh, case that that holds great precedent because Mark came out that uh, you know the government kind of gave up and uh, huge kudos to Mark for doing what he did. But uh, just in today's world, you you not that what he did was was wrong at all. Um, it was actually very very good for him to sit out there outside of the abortion clinic. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you you see people in the in the streets just kind of like fighting each other, shooting each other, kind of things. Those are the kinds of things that Catholic want to avoid. Um, not that we are supposed to hide from the real world, but physical altercations aren't how we're supposed to draw people into the faith, right? Um, I think it was St. Alphonsus Liguori who said that 
if you force someone into the faith, they're going to do everything they can to avoid the faith. So that's what we have to do. We have to try to convince people to join the faith, not force them to join the faith. Yes. And with that, defending the faith is very intellectually based. You can't just expect that, oh, well, I have my own beliefs, therefore I can convince you of them. It's It takes a lot of thought and effort uh, in a an argument setting your main objection or yeah main objection is to work your way around the premises of the person you're debating against and try to help them get past those set premises and look at a different way of finding what the truth is which lies within the catholic church yeah, and uh, an, uh, an important thing is to constantly keep your composure. That's definitely a hard thing, yeah, you yeah. know, as I'm sure we've all run into. I mean, we all went to school with each other. So just seeing some of the arguments that we had at school. How unfortunate. There's like screaming liberals and we just kind of sit there, got to sit there and be like, hey, no, that's not that's not what I said. You know, this is th- this is how, how it actually supposed to be. This is what I believe. And just kind of sit there, cool, calm, collected, maintaining your composure uh, and very much not in an aggressive or kind of fighting sort of manner. Yeah, and it can be difficult to have an argument, uh, especially if you're going up against, you know, say some some purple-haired liberal. Then you have to make sure you keep to your Catholic values and still uh, follow the example of Christ in that encounter. <laughs> <laughs> have you never seen a purple-haired liberal before, Trevor Brenton? <laughs> Get out of your basement, dude. Oh, man. I don't want to. It's just funny you see that in a Catholic school. That's just yeah, right. <laughs> have seen purple-haired liberals at a Catholic school. Dude, yeah, I know. Uh, but as well, it doesn't look good, right, if you're, like, super angry or, like, you're cussing people out and you're in, like, this debate against someone. It just doesn't look good for our, you know, like, for our faith because we're set as people who are, believers in Christ and Christ and to go out kind of like cussing people out. He, he did some pretty base stuff. Flipping tables. Flipping, yeah, you know. So, but that's not who we are. You know, we're just, we, we put the truth out in the way that Christ does, which is loving others as ourselves and bringing that message across in a peaceful way. Yeah, it's a, uh... I think a good a good way to put it is that we're not in the argument to win the argument. We're in the argument to win their soul. Uh, so we just have to go and try to save them, whether they be atheist or Protestant or Muslim or anything that's not Catholic. If you're going into an argument with them about anything, the end goal of the argument is to try to get them to admit that what you're saying is the truth, not in kind of a, I give up, yeah, what you're saying is true, but in a... Yeah, I've come to believe that with all of the arguments that you've presented, that what you've said is actually the truth. Um, but you don't want to be that kind of guy that also, you know, you're on the online forums, you're on Reddit, on Discord. It's just kind of like Catholicism for the win. We take those dubs, kind of rubbing it in the face. I mean, Jesus, when you look at Jesus, who's the ultimate example of what we want to be like, he wasn't rubbing it in the face of everyone. Uh now, granted, when he did go in and flip the tables, he, he had what, what we call righteous anger, where people were just totally desecrating uh, a sacred space. And he went in and just totally 
demolished everything that they were doing. But most of the time when Jesus went around, he, he went around with love and kind of, you know, when the Pharisees were acting stupid, he would just kind of look at them and be like, why do you harbor such evil thoughts? Why do you, he, he would ask them questions and be like, why, why are you being idiots right now, guys? And he would never look at them and just start screaming at them or cursing them out or whatever. But he would look at them and, and say, like, why are your intentions wrong? The, look at me and realize that what I'm doing is right and stop it with your evil intentions. I do have a question about one thing you said that was, um, shoot, what was it that you said? Hello, everyone. Welcome to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yes, we're trying to, uh, we're not trying to win the argument. We're trying to win their soul. Say you have uh, a Muslim friend. You obviously want them to go to heaven, save their soul, but you're probably also not going to be having a religious argument every time you talk to them. So where's the line of we, I, I want to save your soul, but also I respect you for what you do believe, even though you're wrong. And how often should you bring that up in an argument? Right. So actually we just, we just had this discussion at a, at my Bible study this past week. Uh, but it's an example of, the kind of everybody has their free will so you have to allow them to make their own decisions so i guess uh the way it was put at, at bible study this past week was um you're allowed to suggest it to them and you're allowed to say this is what i believe this is what i think you're right and anytime that an argument may arise you do have to stand there and and defend the faith you're not allowed to passively just kind of be like yeah all right whatever um and if it's, say, a really good friend, like, say, your best friend is is a Muslim and you converted to Catholicism or whatever's happened and now you have to stand up for the faith, whenever a situation arises where the faith is being abused or misinterpreted or something like that, I think that's where your responsibility is. And teenagers see this a lot in today's society where people are just all over the place saying crap about the Catholic faith. But your duty is to sit there and say what is true about the Catholic faith Anytime somebody's blaspheming or something like that. So in an extreme case where you know what somebody else is saying is wrong and hurtful to everybody else, that's when I would say you have to step up and absolutely say this is when, when you have to go in and, and start the, uh, try to argue what, you, what your position is. But if there's ever a situation where they're just kind of making a passive comment about like, oh, sorry, I, I'm not, um, I guess for like Jewish people, it's like, sorry, I can't do this on Saturday because that's the Sabbath. I, you, you don't have to be like, well, that's stupid. You shouldn't do things yeah, on Sunday because Sunday is the Sabbath day. So it's, and then again, with a free will kind of thing, you can suggest it as many times as you want, but in the end, it's their ultimate decision. So as long as you're still trying to draw them to the faith, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that like it, it varies from situation to situation. So as long as you're trying to draw them into the faith and if they're getting annoyed and you like keep saying things, um, that's really when you got to be self-conscious about what you're saying. Uh, just kind of keep prudence into it. Prudence is one of the cardinal virtues about kind of keeping prudence and temperance, kind of keeping everything in the proper order and doing everything a proper amount. So it's, it's a situation by situation kind of call about how you got to do what in which situation. But definitely I would say anytime that like blasphemy is happening or someone is totally 
assaulting the faith or offending the faith or something like that you have to get up and say something but most other times if it's just passive you can kind of let it go or maybe throw out like another catholic tidbit or something okay like that. and a lot of this you can't plan for beforehand because it's probably just going to come up is there a good way to uh like i don't know prepare yourself be ready for this sort of situation of course um so here we have two methods that we can use one that I totally made up, and I, you know, I put my copy right there. So I call it the spa method. Study, uh, study, pray, and act. First study, it all starts with studying. And that's what we talked about in our last episode, right? So, if you, for example, if you know that homosexuality is wrong, but don't know why, then you really can't defend that the, the, the faith there. And your argument is invalid. And studying is that we can come to defend the church and our teaching. And you can't expect to know everything at that moment when you're arguing with someone. It's just like a test, right? You can't expect to know everything for a test the day of or the day before. You need to study the material beforehand. And with that, you need to study your church beforehand. I mean, I guess even more than that, like not even the day of, like the the minute of. Yeah. Yeah. Unless right. you're using the bathroom during your test to study. <laughs> Which you can't do in the middle of an argument. <laughs> you could do that for a test, but not an argument so much. No. Hey, Joseph, please explain to me why the Eucharist is the body of Christ. Be I need right a bathroom back. break. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, so you need, uh, you need to know your stuff beforehand. And keeping with the example of homosexuality, the catechism... Bro brought his actual catechism. Yes, I did. Crazy. It's not an episode without daily dose of catechism. I need like a like a lone segment, I guess. <laughs> Could work that in there. Yeah, right. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Catechism with Brendan. Bing. Live on our YouTube. <laughs> Live on YouTube and Twitch. So the catechism says basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave. Depravity tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. You know, that's in our catechism, one of our great texts from John Paul II. And now those who are, quote, allies or a part of the alphabet mafia, you know, they'll say that's homophobic or, you know, the church completely disregards homosexuals. Homophobic? I think you mean righteous abhorrence of evil. Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> throw, when I edit that later, I'll throw in like the. Da, da, da. <laughs> I mean, I found that like, if you just agree that you're homophobic, they can't really do much. <laughs> <laughs> Some people be like, "You're homophobic. You're transphobic." I'll be like, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I am. I'm racist too. If you wanted to know." <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. And this is where we get canceled. And... Don't be racist. Don't be racist. Don't well, I told, uh, <laughs> I saw a video. This guy goes, "I'm not transphobic. I just hate them." He just put that out on Twitter. Yeah, I know. I mean, because not of course scared of them, <laughs> right? You do have to be careful of towing the line between like hate. And I like, mean, as much as as much as we we joke about this, you have to realize that like you're not actually supposed to oh, love this course. love the sinner, hate the sin. Right. Um, I hate that we even have to throw that nuance out there because there are going to be people out there that's like, "Why are you saying to hate gay people?" It's like we're not. No, um, because even the catechism, like the next paragraph under that says we have to treat them with respect, compassion, and sensitivity as well. 
Yeah, like, I love Hitler. I just hate that he killed all the Jews. (laughs) 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 Top 10 moments before disaster. (laughs) Is Joe leaning into his microphone to say that? (laughs) I wonder if that's going to make the final cut. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Oh, boy. We might have to re-record this. Looper reel. Um, no, but, but seriously, the, as Brendan said, can you read that next paragraph from the catechism for us about how we have to treat them with love and respect? Uh, Yeah. So they must be accepted with respect, passion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. Right. So, and even in scripture, Jesus doesn't cast away the sinner. Instead, he embraces them and he loves them, which turns them into, you know, loving children again yeah and um there's you, you hear it going around a lot but like the whole love the sinner hate the sin kind of thing it it's true uh a lot of times the people who i mean if we're talking about homosexuality specifically a lot of times they're people that have been abused as a child or there's something like actually wrong with them they're mentally disabled kind of thing um it's not our place to look at them and be like, hey, you're messed up. I'm going to hate you for the rest of your life now because we, we don't know why they are the way they are. Sometimes we might be able to, sure. Uh, they might We might be able to see like, oh, you actually have had a, a very, very active sexual past and it's led you into this kind of degeneracy. Yeah. We might be able to see that. And if that's the case, then, you know, we should only judge them as, as far as saying, hey, look, have you have you gone to confession? Have you repented for your sins and if you haven't then you know go in and be like this is why again back to the defense part about like this is why i need to this is why i need to um go to confession and all those things about why why what you're doing is wrong um but yeah a lot of the times these people are legitimately suffering with things and as brendan had said the the first paragraph he read about homosexuality is you see that it's like it it's treated as the catechism states it's a disorder um which is very very true um it's like men are not designed to desire other men they're designed to um want to procreate with women and obviously Mm -hmm. because there's no other way to procreate um but that's like we're designed to to make families men with a woman woman with a a and when you look at these people there's like it's it's sad that there could be something legitimately wrong with them and and that's why we have to go out and have this just have this respect for them as as first of all god's children right we're all god's children we all fall short we all have problems and we all sin it's not to go around and be like, I'm better than you because I'm not gay. But it's like, I mean, you're also still sinning. So mm-hmm. what if this guy has same-sex attraction, but he's, you know, like if this guy has same-sex attraction and you're addicted to porn, but this guy is staying chaste and you're like going out every Friday night and like doing bad things in the dark of your bedroom, this guy is living a better life than you are, even though he has same-sex attraction. Because he's sinning less than you are if he's re- remaining chaste, um, and so yeah, it's it's this this kind of thing of like, and that's what the the church calls for. They're called to live chaste life, yeah. Because you know the act of sexual reproduction is between a man and a woman, and it can't happen between two of the same sex. Right. Yeah. It's a yeah. So it's right. it's a kind of thing about like, and the and the church also calls them to, in embrace the suffering of the cross yeah that's exactly what it is yeah and to put their suffering and to put whatever's going on with them 
on the cross, just like any other Catholic. So if anything, you still have the same rights. Right. But it's, you know, I think it's... They're not any less human. Right. It's just another suffering that they have to deal with, which is which is why we do need to have mercy for them. Now, of course, the uh, people with same-sex attraction who are living like these lavishly homosexual lifestyles, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for their of conversion course. kind of thing. Um, but if you know, like if you, if you find someone who's really suffering with same-sex attraction and they don't know what's wrong with them... It, Go maybe pray with them. Go help them. And this is exactly about like what defense of the faith is. You need you need to be able to tell them. You're not just going to go up to them and be like, "You're gay," and that's bad. But you have to be like, "Hey, look, right. who I know are we you. to like condemn them?" Right. I, Say I, like you're going to hell if you're gay. Yeah, like, I know you're suffering. How can I help you with this kind of thing? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very important to uh, be able to understand. And this is this is a very nuanced topic. So go ahead and do a lot of research into this. Catholic Answers does a lot of good research. Um, but this is, this is what studies all about so that you know how to handle these kinds of situations. And then defense of the faith is, I guess I should say, this is what defense of the faith is about so that you know how to handle these situations mm-hmm. when you're faced with them. So that was, uh, the study, the S of the spa. The spa method. Now I'm, I'm interested, Brendan, on, uh, prayer, prayer. the second, because are we praying for the people that we're arguing with? Are we praying for wisdom like solomon Mm -hmm. which was a reading a few weeks ago yeah based are we what are we what are we praying for right yeah so you know those are great examples because that's what we're doing we can pray for our own wisdom we can pray for those who we're going against right and you know if you don't really know much about prayer much or a few episodes ago but prayer is that dialogue that connects us with god it's that conversation we can have we talk to him and he talks to us but when we're trying to listen to him, we have to be open, right? We have to be open to receive his words, right? So in defending the faith, prayer can be used a lot. So before you're entering a conversation, what I usually uh, say is, you know, Lord, uh, give me the words that will help me bring your glory to fruition by your will, let it be done. So I'm basically asking God to give me the words to show his glory to those who are not yet open to receive and view the light of truth. It's like what Jesus says in the uh, in the garden, where he says, "Father, you know, let this cup pass, but, right? Um, but your will, not mine, be done." So kind of the same thing about like, let your will come out of whatever I'm about to say, right? Let it be your will. You right. It's all in His will, not on ours, right? So ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through the the confrontation. So ask for the gifts of wisdom, courage, and fortitude, wisdom to choose the correct words, or you know, to know your stuff, whatever the topic will be. Uh, courage and fortitude kind of go together. So, like, courage to go up and confront someone who's, you know, trash-talking the church or whatnot. And then fortitude to continue that courage and turn that soul anew and bring them to the light of truth. And ask the Lord to grant um, you the strength needed to deal with some people. Some people have such a hatred for the church and they're never going to change their opinion. But maybe your words can be that kick, you know, the mustard seed needed to start something in their brains and to have them convert or whatever. Yeah. Just living out a Catholic life and following uh, all the values and teachings of Jesus can really definitely serve as a catalyst in other people's lives. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, more than you might expect. I've talked to a few people that have kind of surprised me in saying that they 
really respect this one thing, like me going to mass or me being active in my faith. And I was not expecting it at all, but it's great because, well, it's not, not great in the sense of like, oh, yay, I'm doing a great job. Look at me. It's great in that um, it gives that person who maybe is not super close with the church something that they can relate to. Like, okay, well, I see my friend over here is doing this. My other friend over here is doing this. It's Maybe it's not so weird. Maybe it's not so... Uh, I, it shouldn't be weird or strange to be religious, but to some people it is mm-hmm. because it's not how they've grown up and that's not their fault. But um, bringing that into their life is hugely important. I always thought it was funny when we'd be at school and the non-Catholics would come up to us and be like, you just, you just inspire, like the way you live your faith, it just inspires me. It's like, yeah, you know what a great thing to do would be? Join the church, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, join the church. Uh, there's We're always a, welcoming new members. Come on. Yeah. I have a, a we, we have a Muslim friend who we went to school with. And uh, there is, when we went on our school's Kairos retreat, it was funny because uh, the, our, our friend said about me and Joseph, uh, we were the leaders for the group that he was in. He said, you two really just inspire me to live out my faith better. And we were like, no, task failed successfully. Um, which it's, it's, yeah, it's good to go live out your faith like that. I mean, we're, it's it's a joke because it's like, darn, you should just convert to Catholicism. But uh, seriously, it's good to, like what Joseph said, about just kind of making sure you live the right way, which kind of kind of goes into the A of Brennan's point about action yeah. and how your actions can, can be just as, as good as, you know, being able to own the libs in, a, in an argument. Right, yeah. And going off that action, you know, that's key to our faith. People look at us on our actions. So if we're living a good Christian life, you know, it's good our actions show that, but if we're living a bad life, you know, uh, you know, we're living a bad life, what does that really show? Right. An example of, of all that would be Jesus in Matthew 23, where he basically goes down and calls out all the, the Pharisees for not practicing what they preach. And then, um, Oh, you hypocrites. Oh, you, that's like, as I think of Matthew, that's my favorite chapter. Just him going down on the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees saying, you do all of the, all of this, you preach this, you preach that, but yet, you know, you cheat others, you desecrate the temples and every convert you make, you make them twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. How cool is Jesus for doing that? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, and I think kind of what you were saying, Brendan, is is what we go back to about what I had said earlier about like, if you know somebody who's really struggling with a sin, but you're out here like being addicted to porn every night. Right. What are you doing? Like, who are you to go up to somebody and be like, you need to fix your life? Like, no, nah, dude, you're the one who needs to fix your life. Yeah. So it starts with you, and then it goes. Yeah, yeah, and that's not to say that you can't help anybody if you're in a state of sin yourself, because you can certainly be a, a light to people who are struggling, even if you yourself are struggling. I mean, sometimes the struggle bus is the way to go. You know, a whole bunch of people who are struggling, and you kind of get together to help each other out of it. But action is super important, and right. it starts with yourself. Yeah. Don't don't try to remove the speck from your brother's eye when you have a a whole a whole log in your own. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like imagine, 
imagine you have like a plank of wood just sticking out yeah. of your face and you, you're trying to you're trying to go up to someone and be like sorry dude your zit is bothering me it's like you're the one with the, with a the, a tree stump just attached to the side of your face like go it's, fix it's that. not too bad it's not too bad <laughs> tis but to scratch <laughs> Right. And, you know, we've all heard the sayings, our actions have consequences. So if you do good things, you do good actions, you get good reward. If you do bad, you know, you get a bad reward. Right. So if you're in a debate with someone who really knows you and knows, like, you know, you use vulgar language and you don't really treat people as a way that Christ would, they could use that against you. And if you're, like, saying... Well, Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that's what I'm trying to do here. They could use that against you. Go well, you didn't do that the other day when you were laughing at that homeless person while we were driving by to the yeah baseball game, when, right? I mean, back to the anecdote we made earlier yeah. about like that you were making fun of the gay person the other day. It's like this is why we need to have legitimate uh, sorrow for the sin that's in the world, but also compassion for the people who are struggling with the sin. Yeah. And when they use that against you, you really just find yourself in a pickle and you're just like, you know, stuttering over your words and you're just like, well, shoot. <laughs> I mean, you kind of got me there. You're right. And you're, and you're, I think at that point, your argument's kind of like invalid as well. Yeah. I, I, how, do, how do I know that what you're saying is actually what you believe if you're just going to go If you're just going to continue. hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> Tries to roast the libs, gets roasted instead. <laughs> what should you do if you are losing, I'll say, an intellectual argument. Say you're arguing with a Muslim about different differences of faith, and they are more well-versed. They have they have hit the study a little bit harder than you have, mm-hmm. and you are kind of taking the L. What do you do? Well, I'm a sinner, and it's so... Yeah, well, I, I don't think that's... No, of course not. Yeah, so. I, well, and also that's kind of... Not exactly what Joe's talking about, uh, which it's a fair thing to say if somebody's like, well, well, you do this and you do this. It's like, you're right. I'm a, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect, which is sometimes uh, what you can say. Um, if you are outmatched on a subject, I would say the best thing to say is I would be glad to have this conversation with you, but yeah, I just kind of be honest with them. Look, I, I'd glad to, I'd be glad to have this conversation with you. I need some time to go convince you about what I have to say. Um, here's some, or maybe some, uh, I don't know, send them like Catholic answers or something like that. Be like, here, look, these guys know what they're talking about a whole lot better than I do. Uh, but there's there's a lot of things you can do. You don't have to like go beat up on everybody all the time just because you need to convince them that you're right. Sometimes you, you can back away and actually say, look, I'm sorry. It's hard to find an example of that in the Bible because all those people were geniuses. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Jesus ever backed away from an argument because Jesus is God himself. But yes, sometimes you have to lose the battle to win the war, which I don't like saying because you should you know, be trying to win all of the battles, all the spiritual battles. But if you're seriously outmatched, it's better to kind of cut your losses and go for a, have a legitimate conversation with them later. Because if, if they're... If they're out there to just hunt you down and totally demolish you because they know they're smarter than you, that's not an argument you want to have anyway. But if they're seriously wondering and they're so like say they're they've been a practicing Muslim their entire life, 
Um, or here, here's a better example that I have. So growing up, I, I went to Protestant church growing up and the people there know their Bible to no end. It's absolutely insane how some of them have memorized like entire books of the Bible. And there are times where I would say stuff, you know, in defense of the Catholic faith, they'd be like, well, it says this, it says this in the Bible. It says this in the Bible. It says this in the Bible. And, uh, and I just kind of be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It does say that in the Bible. And you kind of have to know, like, these people aren't willing to convert that they don't care about what you have to say. So you have to realize that there are some times where, yeah, you can, you can just back away. Um, but if they're there to legitimately have this conversation with you, it's it's always a good thing to be like, sure, I'd be glad to get back to you on that. I need to go look it up. I just want to confirm that what I'm saying is right. And always don't be afraid to to back up and, and look something up because that can sometimes be the better thing to do. Yep. But yeah, so, so sometimes backing up is, is a way to go just because if you don't know what you're doing, it's better to admit you don't know what you're doing than try to fake it and end up saying something wrong is also a good way to look at it. That mm-hmm. is a great point. So that's what I think you should do if either of you two have another point to add to that. Not specifically add to that, but thank you, Brennan, for your trip to the spa with us. Yeah, it was no lovely. Problem. My pleasure. I wrote that at like 1230 on a, in the morning. Joseph, I'm going to kick you off this podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> that. Thanks for that trip to the spa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at the city. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at the city. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's a spa method, study, prayer, and action. Um, definitely, you could use that even when you're not in a debate. You could just use that in your own free time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great way to prepare yourself for an argument. Yeah, but, but like, it's also just a good thing to do to study, to pray, and to live like an actual Catholic is a great thing to do yeah. just by yourself. Yay, Jesus. Absolutely. And... um. Well, if we look at this the way uh, the the world famous accountant podcaster Ben Shapiro uh, tends to do things, one of his famous quotes is, "Well, taglines is using facts and logic." How that certainly goes along with studying quite a bit, but facts don't care about your feelings. So, uh. If we say that, hypothetically, for the sake of argument, that facts don't care about your feelings, what is your opinion on um, the Teenage Catholic Podcast? That was a terrible, that was terrible. <laughs> you should like and subscribe. You should like and subscribe. All right, this is time out. We're going to go through the whole YouTube thing. Hey, everybody. This is Matthew from the Teenage Catholic Podcast. Make hey, sure- everybody. This is Joseph from the Teenage Catholic Podcast. I'm Brendan. <laughs> but make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications. It seriously helps us get out into the algorithm. It's, you know, we're trying to grow this podcast and it's a huge help. It's more of a help than you think, more of a help than you realize. Joe is touching cone some of my, my things. How are doing? <laughs> I wish I had a video of this. I think a sombrero from a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously, make sure you like and subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. We'll be releasing a lot of new good content in the upcoming months. Uh, we'll be struggling with school starting up, but make sure that you're just ready so that whenever we do release something, that you're there, that you're on top of it, that you're ready to watch things. 
And we'd really appreciate it. Share it with everybody that you know. Share it with your grandparents, even though they're not teenagers. Share it with your parents, even though they're not teenagers. Share it with your teachers to play for the school children at theology class. Yeah. Uh, share it with everybody that you know, because it'd be really great if you could just get it out to everybody, and we'd really appreciate it. Share it with your alt YouTube accounts. Subscribe on those, too. Yeah. You know, it's not terrible, dude. <laughs> All right, I have these little, like, display cones that have stupid mantras on them, like, next mood swing in six minutes. And Joseph took one of those and put it on his microphone. It balanced fairly easily. It's because you have a round microphone. You're putting... Oh, my gosh. Dollars, can you believe it? Dang. Because there's six moods, that's why. Biden price. (laughs) Brot Church. Brot Church. Brot Church has a gift shop. Just like the cathedral. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I hate to tell you, that's not a book. I think they ripped you off. (laughs) It has words. What are they teaching you? Next episode on (laughs) Teenage Catholic (laughs) Podcast. Is is everything with words a book? Is a hot dog a sandwich? A hot dog is a sandwich. Is cereal a soup? Yes. All right. No, look. I'm going to break it down for you. Okay. We will come back to these (laughs) next episode. No, look. I'm going to- We're finishing this one off. But we're going to use facts and logic and the spa method. That's what we're going to do. Okay. So- Tell us about using logic. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm going to do by proving to you that a hot dog is a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So logic is, is fairly simple. Um, you can break it down into two main parts of logic. You have a premise and a conclusion. Your premise is, your premises are your facts that you lay down. You know, one plus one is two is a fact. So that's, that's one of your premises. Um, and then it's normally an if, so if this and that, then this. So you'd say if one plus one is two and you're one person and I am one person, we are two people. Really, really simple way. Go ahead, Brendan. There's three in here. Okay, that was an example, genius. Okay, if if one plus two is three, I am one person and you are two people, then there are three people, two people. No, you are two people. We are each half a person. Wow, Joe just <laughs> called me fat in the most passive-aggressive way possible. <laughs> <laughs> there should be like a compilation with Brendan that. is sitting over there and you're going to call me fat? <laughs> you're the only one here that's half a person, let's be honest, dude. On hey, windy days, Joe can... He won't touch because I'm going to seminary, so... <laughs> <laughs> On windy days, Joe has to watch out because he might get blown away like a kite. But it sucks that half is less than three fifths. What? Oh. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. So that was the episode today. I hope you guys no, enjoyed. Okay. Um, no, but so premises inclusion is premises and conclusions. Great way to do things. Just kind of like here, if this. And that, then this. It's it's a great way to prove things. So, if life starts at conception and abortion is the purposeful ending of a conceived thing, we'll just, for intents and purposes, we'll call it a thing because that's what the libs like to call it. If life starts at conception and abortion is... The, uh, I don't think life starts at conception, actually. Yeah, and so that's the thing. So, so if you say, if... If life starts at conception and abortion is the direct uh, removal, killing, whatever, of this conceived thing, then abortion is murder because that's how things work, right? No. But then, but then, so every now and then you'll have someone that say, well, I don't believe on your premises. Okay, break that down into premises and conclusion. If 
life needs these seven requirements and that thing that was conceived makes or meets all of these requirements then life starts at conception so you can have a really really broad set of premises and conclusions that you can break down into more and more and more and more and more finite premises and conclusions and in reality it all breaks down to the most basic premises and conclusions which are simply put simply put facts and if someone disagrees with you on the facts then there's not much you can do there you have to you have to try to kind of wiggle your way around that which is what i like about the socratic method so if you have facts, if you present a fact and something else that is uh, a reasonable conclusion as as a premise, so if you present fact and then a conclusion as a premise, and then you get a conclusion, and somebody disagrees with the fact, that's where you go into the Socratic method, which is just kind of asking questions to figure out what everyone believes, to try to break it down and see if anyone believes anything different than what they're actually saying or or what have you so joe your question about is a hot dog a sandwich what is a sandwich a sandwich is anything except for a hot dog including like a block of wood just not a hot dog take that Touche. <laughs> I left him bamboozled. <laughs> and that's how you can use logic against <laughs> Yeah. So any reasonable person can see that what Joe said was stupid. Hey. Brendan, what is a sandwich? You think that is a hot dog. Hey. <laughs> no, a sandwich, <laughs> with my scientific terms, um, is anything that has like bread on top and bottom and there's stuff in between. Right. Okay. I guess that's where you're going to go with. Sure, sure. So, so that's how Brenda defines a sandwich. So, is a hot dog with a whole bun not a sandwich, but a hot dog with its bun separated a sandwich? I would think both would classify the hot dog as a sandwich because there's a top and bottom. of. of what if you're holding it sideways and this bread is on the side? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Eat a vertical hot dog. (laughs) Only in Ohio. Um, No, but I I like to make people mad by saying a hot dog is anything surrounded by bread. So if you cover yourself in bread, you become a sandwich. You said a hot dog, not a sandwich, but I I see what you were saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Everything covered in bread is a sandwich. Yes, yes, yes. So So like, like, what are those like um, crustables? Crustables, they're a sandwich. It's surrounded by bread. Yeah. My blown. But like, so you know hamburgers that have lettuce around them? Yeah. That's not a sandwich because it's not surrounded by bread. Hmm. Well, what's the extent here? Like, but is a burger a sandwich? Yes, because like, it be- it's surrounded by bread. Could I have a file cabinet sandwich? Yes. <laughs> yes. If you put two pieces of bread on either side of it, that makes it a file cabinet sandwich. Now, I realize this is a divisive issue, so everybody, please let us know your thoughts on this in the comments. In the comments below. If this is the reason you're considering unsubscribing, instead of doing that, please uh, use your own logic to tell us about that. <laughs> Guys, I'm this trying is, to retain viewers here. This is why I think hot dogs are sandwiches. But seriously, that, that's an example of the Socratic method. Like, why do you think this is the way it is? And just kind of asking questions about, like, what do you define this as? What do you think about this? Um, Another and- I want to add is with the premises that, you know, there's the premises and the conclusion. That's something we find in the Summa Theologiae oh, by yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, yeah. With, um, you know, the argument one, you know, the, 
replies to yeah. the arguments, all that. There's premises, and then there's a clue conclusion. So, like, you know, one of the chapters, it's like the, the existence of God. Everything that's made has to have some outward or outside force. Therefore, there is an existence of Right, a godhead. And you can see that he breaks those premises down into smaller and smaller premises right, and conclusions, yeah. which is a great thing to do. So if you get us to a good number of subscribers, we'll read that cover to cover no. live. Okay, Brendan is going to be the only person here. He will live stream reading the Summa cover to cover. Yes, and I, I hope none of you watch that, please. <laughs> what? For your sanity. Yeah, I'll, I'll be like 50 minutes and still be on the first page. Yeah. The, 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 the. All right. Um, anything else that you guys have to add about logic? Smart. Very beneficial to your argument. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then one final thing about arguments is that you have to know when to have your arguments and when to not have your arguments. It's very important that, again, if somebody's just kind of fighting you to fight you, that's not when you have an argument. But if somebody is legitimately trying to converse with you and figure something out about the faith, that's a great time to present some arguments about the faith, about what they should believe and everything like that. Any additional thoughts? Nope. Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> good episode. All right. Um, well, thank you guys all for watching. Uh, we'd appreciate, again, a like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, share it with your friends, share it with anybody who may not be a teenager that you want to share it with because this is made by teenagers for teenagers, but can also be spread to anybody throughout the world who wants to listen to it mm -hmm. so thank you all for listening i'm matthew i'm brendan soy jose no i i can't all right and this is the teenage catholic podcast day useful see you guys <laughs>